Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Well, welcome everybody to a brand new sermon series called Word to the Wise. This, t- this particular, we're going to talk about something called a healthy fear. Let me tell you this. This is really something that each and every one of us deal with. It's a thing called fear. We're so used to it that we don't even know sometimes it's in us and that we're making decisions based on it. So let's pray. Father, I just pray that you would help us to grow in righteous knowledge that leads us to wisdom. Help us, Lord, to develop healthy fear of your awesome power, your grace, your love, your joy. That we could stand on your word. Lord, I just pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, and if you're listening to us via podcast, we want to say welcome, and we hope that this message would help you take your next step closer to Jesus. Now, chances are you've been frightened at some point in your life. In many cases, you know, fear will cause us to run or to hide. Have you ever been there? That big noise, that big boom, or, or something that came around the corner and it was dark and you had no idea. I remember going to a college retreat with my, my uh, girlfriend at the time, not my fiance yet, or even my wife. And we were there and, and I, I decided I was going to take a walk and it, was, and it got a little darker as I went away from the cabin. You know, because I was a big macho man, I was a legend in my own mind. And I got far enough away, and I heard this growling, and then I heard this running and this pitter-patter through the, through the forest. And before I knew it, I heard the barking. And now I'm thinking, there's no way I'm going to outrun two dogs. And so I can't run, and I can't hide. So I just decided I was going to get stupid. Sometimes stupid works. And I went, Rah! and they went, Rah! and they turned and ran, and I went, Oh, Jesus, and my heart's doing this. But I'll be honest with you, most of the time, fear doesn't work like that. Fear doesn't work like that at all. It usually causes you to do things you would never do if you were not fearful. You're watching a scary movie, and all of a sudden, the little girl's head goes in a circle. And what do you do? Do you laugh? No. You go, and get the weirdest face. If the camera was pointing at you, that would be great for YouTube. Because fear will make you do things you normally would never do. So how do you behave? Most of the time, I make really stupid choices that I'm embarrassed that I made because I was full of fear. Other times, I get isolated. I don't want to talk to people. I just kind of hide. Am I connecting with anybody here? How do you behave when there's fear in your life? But the Bible calls us to fear the Lord. What? 
we're supposed to be scared of them? Is that what that actually means? I mean, I'm scared of a lot of things. I was in Australia one time, and I'm in this little pen with a couple tourists and the, and the guy there. And there was this big white lion, and they allowed us to get real close so we could put this thing through the fence to feed the lion. And when the lion charged because the little kid next to me was poking his finger out through the thing, and mommy's not looking. And I grabbed the kid and pulled him out. And at that point, the lion comes up and goes, and I'm not kidding. The, the lion's head's this big. And it stood this high on all fours. I'm like, I'm like this. And the mother gave me stink eye. You can stink eye. See the kid's arm. You, you understand sometimes we don't even know when we're supposed to be afraid. Like the kid. We don't have no idea what we should really be afraid of. Maybe we need the Lord. Maybe we need wisdom to know what to be afraid of and that it be healthy fear and what not to be afraid of because that's unhealthy fear. Albert Einstein once said, wisdom is not a product of schooling, but of lifelong attempt to acquire it. It meaning wisdom. I like what Charles Spurgeon said. Wisdom is the right use of knowledge. That's pretty good. But I am thankful the Bible also has a lot to say about wisdom. Time and time again, the biblical writers paint this beautiful image for us about what it is to obtain wisdom. And wisdom, it, it, when we get it, it just literally causes us to grow in every area of life, and especially in the arena of relationships. we got to love wisdom. We'll get the growth for your vocation, your business, for your community, but mostly for your relationship with the Lord, your relationship with your family, your spouse, and for generations to come that you may never, ever meet because you lay down a foundation that the family can look back to and lift up the name of Jesus. So it's in this series, we're, we're going to work our way through several teachings from the book of Proverbs, obviously in the Old Testament, that speaks so much about wisdom. Did you know that there is such a thing as healthy and unhealthy fear? Have you ever experienced something that really, really frightened you? I mean, the fear of being hurt, the fear of being... I was probably, I was probably even younger than Hunter here. I was probably around 20, and uh, again, still doing well with being a legend in my own mind. And we went backpacking, a few of my buddies, and uh, I was so excited. And we, we went backpacking, and it was actually a place where I got filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
But we went hiking on this side of this cliff. There was enough of a trail that, you know, we had set up camp and we were, we were probably a good five miles into the forest, into the wilderness. And we were at least another 40 minutes away from anything medical. So you're talking hours away from getting any kind of help and medical attention. That's if they know where you're at. So, you know, all the guys are so gracious to say, Marv, you take point. So, yeah, let's do this. I got my buck knife. I'm bad. And I'm walking. So I have this cliff here on the side of me. And down a good 50 feet is to the little creek, the little creek down there. If you're in Iowa, we call it a creek. And as I'm going through there, behind me is the chain of guys. So I come around this little corner. As soon as I do, I see this rattlesnake, and it is big because all rattlesnakes are this big, especially when you're this far from them. And I'm like, oh, no. There was no rattle. There was nothing. So I'm like trying to back up. I can't. I'm going to jump. I can't. I'm going to climb. I can't. I am frozen. And then I took a second look at it. And it had bullet hole after bullet hole after bullet hole. Somebody had shot it with a 22 or a Pelican. I have no idea. And I knew because it was all stretched out. I thought at first glance that it was sunbathing. It wasn't. And I just thought to myself, I didn't even know what I was looking at. Guys, I was scared. I knew if I got bit, I wouldn't die from the pain of the bite. But I was going to die out in the wilderness, and it was called Devil's Canyon. I didn't want to die there. You know... When you're so scared, you want to run. You want to run from the poisonous snake. You want to hide. But today, I don't want to focus on that kind of fear. I think we get that part. Because the Bible talks about the fear of the Lord. So are we saying we're supposed to be scared of God? Well, the answer is yes and no, but mostly no. Well, Pastor, you just answered that really well. So let me kind of walk into that a little bit. See, before we can really understand how the, the fear of the Lord is and why it's so big, because the fear of the Lord is so important that it, it, it jumps me into this thing called wisdom. We'll find that out in just a second. But we need to better understand what the Bible means in the context of this word fear and how it's being used in the book of Proverbs. The Bible translates this word fear in a variety of different ways. It can refer to the terror one feels in a frightened, fearful situation like a snake in front of you, poisonous, and there's no way to go front, back, or to the side. It can also mean respect. 
It's, it's the way that a soldier would look to a general in the army. I have such fear. I have such respect for my general. And I will serve him well. And then, fear could also denote a reverence and awe. How a person feels in the presence of greatness. Have you ever been around somebody who's just really a goat, greatest of all time? I mean, they're the best at the best. Have you ever seen a master guitarist? Have you ever seen a, a phenomenal artist? Have you ever seen somebody who has incredible linguistic abilities and you're just in awe at the greatness of what they are? You see, the fear of the Lord is a combination of all of these things. Having the fear of the Lord, there's a continual understanding, a continual awareness that the Lord is to be feared. He is to be respected. He is to have, we're to have a reverence and awe of Him and His greatness and His love and His grace and His mercy and His joy. So let's begin at the beginning of wisdom. Go with me to Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. Let's read this one out loud together. Ready? Begin. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. So the Bible provides us with a starting point. If we want true wisdom in life, we must begin with the fear of the Lord. Now let's go even deeper in this question. Does God want us to be afraid of Him? Well, if you grew up in the church, you've heard so many stories, especially from the Old Testament, right? So maybe you remember the one about some guy named Joshua. And his army that circled around the walls of Jericho. You know, a bunch of times, seven times on the last day, right? You remember that one. It's an incredible thing that those walls came down. They would run chariots on top of those walls. That's how thick they were. What an incredible thing what God did. But in order to find insight to this question about fear of the Lord, let's revisit this particular verse, Joshua 1, a very famous verse. Many of you probably could quote it for me. Have I not commanded you be strong and of good courage? Then he says, do not be afraid. What? Joshua, do not be afraid. Was that a suggestion or was that a command? That was a directive, right? As a command. Nor be dismayed. Yeah, Marvin, you're not allowed to get discouraged and dismayed. What? You told me not to be afraid. You told me not, not to be discouraged. And obviously, if I violate that, I am in what? I'm in rebellion. I'm sinning. This doesn't feel good. How about you? But here's the reason why. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. See, when you have the fear of the Lord 
and his greatness, that, that terror of reality that he could open up the earth and, and, the, and the sinful can fall in. You know that he can bring fire and brimstone down from heaven. You know nothing's impossible with him. But you also know the other side. That he's caring and loving and he knows you by name and how many hairs are on your head. And for some of you, it's an easy count. But here's the deal. When we are continually aware of who he is, yes, the wrath of God is there, but he is Abba, he is Father. And he loves you so much that he will do whatever is necessary that you could be with him forever and ever and ever. Just ask Jesus. He'll show you his hands. Do you see what God says in this? The, the very first thing he tells Joshua, there is no reason for him to be afraid of the task that is in front of him. And the Lord gives Joshua the reason. Remember? Because I, the Lord, will go with you wherever you go. It wasn't their loud yelling and their perfect frequency. You know what it was? A miracle. A miracle. Joshua is taught what it means to gain wisdom by beginning with the fear of the Lord. I know the wrath, the terror of God, but I also know his, I have respect for Him. I also know him, the reverence, the awe. And I also know that He's Abba. Abba means daddy. It seems to be the first step in the process of gaining wisdom is to understanding that God doesn't have to use you or me to do anything, but he chooses to. It's so much funner. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. It says, but you are not like that. And I want everybody to say the second part with me. Ready, begin. For you are a chosen people. Now let's just stop for a second. You're a chosen people. I'm adopted. It'd be easy to go, well, I wasn't chosen. I was an accident. No, no, no. You know what God says? Marv, you you might have been surprised at mom and dad, but you're no accident. I chose you for such a time as this that you could be about my business, that we could be in business together for the kingdom. Do you know he chose you? I know there's parts in your story that are hellish, that you hurt people and people hurt you. And God says, I can still use all of it. Because I chose you. I chose you. That means he loves you. Because he chose me in spite of me. And I know me. 
There's parts of me I don't like. How about you? You got any parts in you that you don't like? And yet God chose you. He chose us. See, you and I are, are to be used by God to spread the, His glory, to spread His gospel, to spread His story. Where? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all to, the, and to the, all the ends of the earth. Until the whole planet is saturated with the good news. Therefore, we need to have a healthy fear. You see, having wisdom really produces within the person, within me, within you, the ability to have good judgment. Now, parents, especially if you have adult children or teenagers, you kind of get this part. You know one of the things you want more than anything for your kid is the ability to have good judgment. This is wrong. Stay away from that. This is good. Get a lot of that. Don't you? If you don't, your parents know they wanted you to have good judgment. Now, how many of us need good judgment? We all do. So, obedience to God is often the result of gaining true knowledge, of gaining wisdom, which is going to provide what? Great judgment. I used to tell my kids when they were little, listen, I'm not with you 24 hours a day. I'm not with you in the classroom. You need to make Good choices. I used to teach them this. You need to be able to monitor not just your behavior, but your heart. See, if you monitor your behavior because some old person shows up and you go, Hello, sir, how are you? It's nice to meet you. Wonderful day, isn't it? You're, you're faking it. You're monitoring your behavior. But when you monitor your heart and there's no grown-up around and there's nobody looking at the workplace and nobody would ever know who actually did it because there's no cameras and there's no audio. It's just you and the Holy Spirit. Now what do you do? So I told them, monitor your heart because your heart will lie to you, book of Proverbs says. I can't trust my heart. But what, do we, what have we been doing for decades and decades and for centuries? Just follow your heart, little youngling. Follow your heart, junior. No! Don't you know what your heart will tell you to do when nobody's looking? Follow his heart. Monitor your heart. See, obedience to God is often the results of gaining true knowledge, of gaining real wisdom. But about the day-to-day work that you do, how does the fear of the Lord impact that? That's really a personal question. Are you aware that the Lord is there? Or do you think He only shows up you know, at 9.30 on Sundays? And then He checks out you know, by at least 11 o'clock. I'll see you again next week. Or is he with you? Is he with you? 
Is he impacting your day-to-day thoughts? What happens when you go to the register and you gave them a 10 and they gave you the change of a 20? Oops, they're bad. God, you just blessed me. Monitor your heart. So let's look at Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is a foundation of wisdom, knowledge of the Holy One results in good, say it with me, judgment. judgment. Yeah. See, when we know God intimately, we, we can find it easier at times to, to decide how to behave in a certain way and how to be in a certain way and how to think in a certain way. Everything comes easier because I now have the mind of Christ and not the mind of Marvin. When you have more of Jesus running through you than you yourself, you speak like him. That means you get his wisdom, you get his thoughts, you get his core values. But when you speak from Marvin's gut, from your own gut, from your own lust, your own desires, your own pride, then you wonder why you trip and you fall. But God's there to pick you up and say, we got this. We got this. You learn something? Yeah, I learned something. Thank you, Jesus. You got a Band-Aid? No, make that a cast. Because <laughs> that fall hurt really bad. He will teach you. So you decide, you decide to take a different approach, even though it may end up meaning it may talk, take you more time. Have you ever been in a situation, I don't know, where the boss has everybody in a room and you saying, we need these cells, we need this to be done, and I don't care whatever it takes, you get it done. And you know everybody around the table is thinking, Go ahead and be unethical. Whatever it takes. Do whatever you have to do to get, this, get, get the project done. Cheat still, I don't care. That's what people are hearing. But what does the woman of God, what does the man of God hear? I don't care if it's sacrificial or not. I'll do whatever God wants me to do to make sure this is done with the highest of integrity. With the highest of honor. That there would be no questions. You know the truth is? When you lie still and cheat, it catches up. It always does. But when you're walking in the ways of the king, you get repeat customers. I know a guy, actually, for he was a contractor for uh, the Safeways. You know the market, Safeway? This was years ago. This was being in the 80s. He was a man of great honor, integrity. He was tithing. He was a millionaire. And he got this job for this one or two safe ways, and he did the job. And he came back to the guy who was the executive of the safe ways and asked for a meeting. And he says, here, here's a check. And that's $36,872.03. He goes, what's this for? He says, I overbid the job. This belongs to you. The guy just stood there. 
He got up, closed the door, sat back down. He looked at him. He says, what are you doing? He says, I don't know what you're talking about. He says, why are you giving me back this money? I would have never known. He says, I, I, I don't know what you think about faith, but I, I'm a faith man. And I can't live with myself by doing something illegal. It's not my money. Hey, if you get another job, think of me. He says, I got another job. All the chain up and down all of California is now yours. I'm not even offering for bits. He became a multimillionaire overnight. Because of the fear of the Lord. He was afraid he wouldn't be in right standing with God. And God couldn't bless him. I don't know about you, but over $30,000 is a big price take, especially back in the 80s. You see, when you have the fear of the Lord, it gives you good judgment. You think right. You have integrity. So as we wrap it up today, Maybe um, you've been given some things to think about today. Maybe you need to readdress which foundation you're building your life on. I don't care if you're young or old. If the foundation is faulty, you got to pull it out. Start fresh. When? Now. Watch God do something great. Or maybe the whole concept of the fear of the Lord is a new reality to you. This is brand new. Never thought about this. Man, start fresh with this. God is not a God up there with a big club just waiting for somebody to mess up and say, you horrible ant. You don't do that to your children. When your child falls and they cry and they bump their head and they got an owie, you pull them up and you embrace them. It's okay. Papa's here. Mama and Daddy are here. We got you. Sometimes one of the worst things we can do when we mess up, I don't know about you, but I have messed up. Anybody here have ever messed up? Man, I'm in a good church. We're a bunch of mess-ups. My best education never came from me getting a master's degree. My best education came from me messing up. It's just true. I learned from that mess-up more than anything. Now, the stupid part is when you mess up, And you just, you know, wash, rinse, repeat, and have to do it over and over again until you learn the lesson. And the second wash and repeat is a more of a mess up. And then the third and the fourth. My hope is that you guys have gained some insight regarding what it means to fear the Lord. Let this message not push you further away from God but literally draw you closer to God. 
that you may learn His love, that you may learn His grace, His mercy, and His ability to forgive. There's a sharp contrast between a wise life and a foolish life. There's a difference between a healthy fear of God and an unhealthy fear of God. And a wise person fears, reverence, obeys the Lord. And a foolish person despises God's instructions and cannot be told what to do. It's why so much of the body of Christ and many of the unsaved people of the world don't want anything to do with God. They push out of foolishness the very thing that would make them wise and lay down a foundation for their marriages and for their families in generations to come. They're believing the lie. They're not stupid. They've just been lied to by the enemy of our souls. That's why we pray. That's why we pray. Draw them to you, Lord. There's a funny thing about foundations. And I said this as a teaser earlier this morning. A foundation is truly below ground level. You don't just pour a foundation on the top. You got to dig. And depending on how, how big the foundation has to be for what you're building on top, you may have to go all the way down to bedrock. And you, you know something? It's just not really romantic. You dig you this big old hole. You, you put all this rebar in it. You do all the stuff that has to be done to it. You know, you put all, all the, the, the perimeters, everything. You measure it all out. It's all done. And then you pour in all this ugly gray rock and aggregate cement. You know, and you, you're all said and done. And about, I don't know, about half the price of the house is sitting there in the dirt. And it's just not real romantic. Come on, sweetie, let's, let, let's have a picnic on our cement. But how many know all the most beautiful memories, all the most beautiful moments that are ever going to happen in a family are going to happen because we did that foundation right. And because of that foundation we're going to have the greatest plumbing so you can give a bath to that little baby in the sink. And we're going to do that because when you needed the heat, you could turn it on because the foundation was laid. So now all that's needed for the electric and the gas and the great meals you'll cook on that stove and all that food that's going to stay fresh in that refrigerator and all those wonderful things that you have are all there because somebody took the time to do the foundation right. Guys, your foundation is to be on the Word of God and His Holy Spirit. If your foundation is faulty, your life is faulty. If your life is faulty, the next generation already has their fault. It's going to be even more of a crack foundation for them and the great-grandbabies and the great-great-grandbabies. It's the foundation. Father, I pray. I pray for us all. Lord, this seems like a simple message. It's just the foundation. Oh no, Lord. Everything is built on top of the foundation. 
And what if the vision is to go to two levels, three levels, four, five stories high? Or should we say one generation, two generation, three generation, four, five? And it's always going to be built not on us, but on the foundation of the word of God. That is timeless. The Alpha, the Omega. The beginning and the end. His foundation is deep. And may we build our families on the foundation of the King. That it would go from generation to generation to generation till Jesus returns. Don't let us take it for granted. Don't let us think it's not a big deal. God, forgive us. You are to be honored. You are to be feared. You are to be feared. Respect and awe, as well as the wrath of God. Oh, Jesus, thy kingdom come. Your will be done. If you agree with that, everybody say in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.